Well, good morning, and I trust that you have your Bibles out. If you don't, uh, get them out, and let's open them up to uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I want to take a look uh, today at a message about personal foundations. Last week, as we launched into our new year, it's hard to believe we're already two weeks into this new year, um, we were taking a look at some family foundations and some priorities for families, and you're going to see some similarities in these things because God's Word is true and inconsistent. But today we want to take a look at um, some personal things as, as Jesus calls his disciples, and he, he calls them to surrender. He calls them to give it all up. He calls them to set everything aside and put him on the throne and, and put him first. And, and so that's what we want to take a look at today. He does it in the illustration of going fishing and uh, in a failure that they had experienced. And so we find that right in Luke chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, follow with me as I read uh, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And when he saw two boats by the lake, excuse me, and he saw two boats by the the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets to catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And, then, and they signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the hope in Jesus Christ that is found in it. And as we take a look at this text today and just see the personal impact that uh, this text had on, on men of God like Peter and Andrew and James and John and, and a crowd who watched and were astonished at the working of Jesus Christ. Well, Lord, would we be astonished at the working of Jesus Christ? We, we understand the end. We understand that Christ came and that he lived a, a life for us that was exemplary, not only for us to live by, but Father, that fulfilled what was required for him to be the spotless lamb who could suffer and die and uh, satisfy your wrath, Lord, and, and rise from the dead and now intercedes on our behalf, Lord. Would we be astonished at our Savior? And then the call to surrender, Lord, whatever it is in our lives that we need to let go of, whatever it is that we have not given you the priority of, Lord, would you do that work today? As we uh, sit in our homes, as we listen to your word, would your spirit work? Give us ears to hear your word, minds to understand it. But then, God, oh, please, God, the faith, the faith to live these things out for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, this isn't the first time that Jesus has come across um, Peter and James and John and Andrew. There are other scriptures we see in Mark 1, 16 to 20, and Matthew 4, 18 to 20, and John 1, 40 to 42. We're not going to take the time to get into them. This is not the first time Jesus met these men. He's, he's had some contact with them, but in this text, on, on one occasion, on one occasion, and then uh, we have the story. Now, what's going on in the book of Luke, to kind of give a little bit of a setting, we, we see Jesus being uh, seen in his sovereignty, in his working. Um, uh, Jesus is being demonstrated to people, and they see the miracles that he's doing. So he's being uh, demonstrated in the miracles that he can do. He's all-powerful. He's being seen in his ability to be over creation. Uh, hear the story of go out, put your nets down, and catch the fish. And, and so they're trying to get a hold of who is this Jesus in, in all that he is, and it's not clear to them yet. Wouldn't really be clear to them until after the resurrection of what Jesus really had accomplished. But in the Gospel of Luke, we see a lot of this focus towards the thing that showed Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus as God in his sovereignty, in his power, over creation, over miracles. But in this context, it says, on one occasion on one occasion. And so let's go back and just rehearse the story a little bit so that we understand what's going on. Um, on one occasion, the crowd was pressing in on him. Um, Jesus is at a time in his ministry where he's pretty popular. People are trying to figure out who he is and they're gathering around and they want to be near him and they, they want to hear what's, what's going on. There's a crowd that's there and obviously they didn't have sound systems like we have. They didn't have a Zoom like we have. They, they had one way to hear. Someone would sit down and they would teach and, and so Jesus comes and there's too many people. It's too pressing in on him and so he asked Peter if he can use his boat and just push out a little bit from the shore and, and in the quietness in the stillness of that time, uh, Jesus could teach them. And so he does that. He, he teaches them. And um, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets and getting into one of the boats, which Simon was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And so he's teaching them, and then at the end of this teaching, he says to Simon, I want you to go back out, and they hadn't had a successful night at all. They're washing their nets. There's no real fish caught. You go back out. You go back out. We're going to get back into that and how, um, how foolish that would have seemed to them at that point. But you go back out. They go back out, and they, they put down their nets. It was kind of like drag nets. It wasn't like nets you threw in from the shore and then just gathered in. These were dragged behind the boat as it moved along, and, and then they're pulling them in, and there's so much fish, it's, it's too much for the boat. So they get some more boats out there, and, and the boats are full, and, and, and Peter is overwhelmed by this. He realizes Jesus isn't just some other guy, but rather Jesus Christ is somehow so special and so unique, and it causes him to be broken in himself as he realizes uh, who the Lord is. And, and at the end of it, Jesus calls them, and he calls them to not fish after fish anymore, but rather come and follow me. And it says they left everything in verse 11. And followed him. And so I want to talk today about total surrender. I want to talk today about what are the qualities 
of a surrendered life that we can find in this text. There are more qualities to a surrendered life that aren't found in this text. Every Bible verse, every text doesn't cover everything. But this text, I believe, demonstrates four really good areas that we should consider as followers of Jesus Christ when we think about our surrender. And so here's the first one. A surrendered life hungers for the word. A surrendered life hungers for the word. In verses 1 to 3, we see he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. But look down in in verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And I love these words. I never really noticed these words until uh, this week. But at your word. But at your word. I will let down the nets. But at your word, I will let down the nets. We're going to come to what the implications of that were in another point. I want us to see this hunger for the word. At your word. I wrote this in big red uh, letters in my notes. These words were amazing and should describe our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. But at your word. When you pick up God's word, when you are listening to it, when you are reading it, but at your word, um, it just happens to be in my Bible reading right now, reading through the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs this year. I'm in Luke. It starts in Luke. And so I've been reading through this and I've been seeing Jesus do the healing. I've been seeing Jesus and the power uh, over creation. And, and it's just been a great reminder for me of all that Jesus Christ is doing and all that he has done for me. Um, on Monday, I got to admit, I was in a little bit of a frump feeling a little bit sorry for myself and for us and all the stuff that's going on. It was just kind of bleh. And uh, I was reading in Psalm 9, and I'm not going to go to the text, but I was reading in Psalm 9, and God just brought me to a verse that just reminded me that he is in control. He is on the throne. He is the one we served. And, but if you're not in God's word, you don't ever have, but at, the, at your word times in your life. And so how much time are you spending in God's word? Uh, Jeremiah 15, 6 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me joy and delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your Your words were found, and I ate them. Do you eat up the word of God? Do you find yourself in it? Are you reading it? Are you studying it at your word? 1 Peter 2.2, 2. like newborn infants long for pure milk. That's how we're to go after the word of God. Like newborn infants desire, go after um, pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into your salvation. 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Peter, the, the follower of Jesus Christ, says, at your word, I will. At your word. Am I making God's word the priority of my life? Am I, am I living my life out of that at the folk, at your, at your word? And Jesus is very popular at this time. People are following him. Some are following around to test him or to find fault in him. Others are seeking the truth and they want to grow. Um, and the way we do that, the way we know that, if you're ever talking with someone and you want to defend who God is and who Christianity is, your wisdom and your thoughts really don't matter very much. The power of the Spirit will happen when we use the Word of God. 
Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Hebrews 3, 7 and 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. The first quality of a surrendered life is that it, so it's a life that hungers for the word of God. And maybe that's why you needed to um, tune in today. That's why you needed to sit in front of your, your computer. That's why you needed to watch today. You needed to hear that today because your time in the word has become sloppy. Your time in the word has become unfocused. At your word, I will, Peter said. At your word, I will. We're going to come back to that verse in a little bit. Um, first thing, a surrendered life hungers for the word. Here's the second thing. A surrendered life obeys the commands of Christ. The surrendered life obeys the commands of Christ. Look at verses 3 to 7. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, I asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and and help them. And, And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. A surrendered life is a life that obeys the commands of Christ. Notice what what, uh, Peter calls him. He calls him master. Um, Master is Luke's equivalent of teacher or rabbi, although Luke never uses the term rabbi. Others do, Um, probably because it had little significance for the Greek um, uh, readers that he was writing primarily to, but he calls him master. Master, we have toiled all night, Peter says. In calling him master, he's saying, you are a commander. You're the leader. Um, you're the boss. Um, we'll take orders from you. So when he calls him master, he's, he's raising him up. He sees him as being significant. He sees him as uh, being important. Master is a term that the disciples near to Jesus used to indicate submission to his, to his authority. But look what they're asked to do. Um, and Simon Peter said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your, ne- at your word, I will let down the nets. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, Jesus grew up in a carpenter's house. So you've got to imagine what's going on in their minds. They went out, they were fished, they failed. I, I love to fish. Um, when we lived up in Muskoka, uh, once, a week, uh, once every year, I'd go out with five other guys. We'd go for a, a week of fishing, and uh, it was just a great time of fishing and fellowship together with other guys, and uh, we had a great time doing that. I love to fish. I, I love to take my grandkids out and, and stand on a dock and fish and see what line of kind of fish you can get. And, um, but I always remind my grandkids it's called fishing. It's not called catching. Catching, right? You don't always catch when you go fishing. That's, there's some great spiritual application in that for us. You be faithful. You won't always catch when you go fishing. It's not called catching. It's called fishing. And Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. Um, but Jesus tells them to go back out. You go back out and put your nets back out there and watch what happens. And Peter doesn't give any excuses. Um, he does say, um, we toiled all night and we took nothing. We worked all night, Lord. I'm tired. I know a lot more about fishing than some carpenter does. 
Uh, Jesus, the best fishing is not now. It's not at this time of the day. The best fishing is at, is at night. Um, all these uh, crowds are making the fish all, all timid and nervous. Too much noise. We, we shouldn't fish now. Uh, Lord, we've already washed our nets. We've already cleaned it all up. Um, Jesus, you may know religion, but you don't know squat about fishing. Now, Peter didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that. He, he said, like, Lord, we toiled all night, but at your word, at your word, I will obey. What's the Lord calling you to? And it, in some ways, goes against everything, every grain in you. It's like, no, not now, Lord. Like, if you only knew my circumstances, if you only knew how hard it was, if you only knew how difficult it was for me, if you only knew, if you, you don't get it, Lord, you don't get it. Uh, Peter was a master fisherman, and he goes, at your word, Lord, even though I don't get it, I'm going to do. Even when it's difficult, I'm going to obey what the Lord says. Even when it's difficult, I'm going to obey the word of God. You see, a person who is surrendered to Christ obeys the commands of Christ. Makes all the difference in the world when our work is directed towards Jesus because the results aren't ours, the results are his. What he calls us to is faithfulness. In his time, he will work these things out and do them for his glory. At your word, I will, Lord. And we can work, we can even work hard for a long time without results. But when the Lord is directing us, we ultimately, we eventually will see the results. We're not called to be catchers of men. We're called to be fishers of men. And, and, and Peter's about to see this in his life as he goes back out and they lay down the nets and they are overwhelmed by what God does. How about you? How about you? Now, Jesus is calling you to some things in your life. Every one of us as followers of Christ knows there's things that the Lord would have us to, to be into, to be for, to be committed to, and and. And we're waffling or we're like, you don't understand, Lord. I know more than you do about this. We, we don't say that directly, but we say it by our actions. Um, a surrendered life is a, a life that is surrendered to obeying the commands of Christ. It's a life that's surrendered to hungering for the word of God. Um, here's another one. A surrendered life is a life that overflows with worship. It's a life that overflows with worship. So they go back out in the boat, they throw down the nets, and they have this amazing catch of fish, right? And uh, look at verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When, when Peter uh, walked on the water in Matthew. When you see Peter walking on the water in Matthew and, and uh, he sees the wind and the waves and, and, he, cries and he cries out, Lord, save me. And the Lord saves him and, and brings him back and says, and all in the boat worshiped him. When you see Jesus work, it brings you to the place of worship. Um, it's what, that's what happened to Peter. That's what happened to those in the boat uh, when he walked on the water. I've, I've always believed that those in the boat, they did worship him. They didn't worship him like, G, like Peter did, though. Peter had actually gone out and walked on water, had seen the Lord work, and he was just like, oh! And, and in this situation, he's the one who's gone out and obeyed the Lord and seen what God does, and, and it brings him to a place of, of worship. 
brings him to a place of worship. And look again how it's expressed, though. But when Simon Peter saw it, saw what God had done, he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, Worship really begins when we see Jesus and who he is and how awesome he is and how frail and how how poor and how sinful we are. And, And it brings us to a place of crying out, Lord, I am a sinner. True worship begins with our brokenness as we see who God is and see ourselves in light of who God is in our brokenness. Isaiah 6, 5, remember that story of Isaiah? It says, Isaiah, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In verse uh, 5 of Isaiah 6, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so Peter says in this text, says, depart from me, go away from me. I don't, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve this blessing that you've poured out on me. I don't deserve any of it. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. At this point, Peter simply understands that God is working through Jesus. He'll come to a much deeper understanding of that as he fully comprehends who Jesus Christ is. Remember, if, if, if Peter fully got it now, he probably wouldn't have lopped off that guy's ear in the garden, and he probably wouldn't have denied the Lord three times. And um, after the resurrection, after Peter is restored, he is a new man, and he's out to change the world, but he's acting on what he knows. He's going with what he's got. And at this point, it brings him to a place of, of brokenness. When we see Jesus for who he is and what he does, it brings us to a place of brokenness, which brings us to a place of true worship in our lives. Do you remember the day when when you understood what Jesus Christ had accomplished for you on the cross? Do you remember what that day when you, you came to the place of transferring your trust to self, to Christ? Why? Because you came in brokenness. You you understood you didn't deserve anything and God gave you everything in Jesus Christ and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. What an awesome day that was. A day of amazing worship when you came in brokenness and trusted Jesus Christ. Hey, if you're watching today, The Christian life is not a life of trying harder and doing more to make God happy with you. It's not about, I did more good stuff than the guy beside me. It's about surrender. It's about coming to the place of understanding Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for me what I couldn't accomplish for myself. He paid the price I couldn't pay so I can have eternal life, the life I don't deserve. And it comes to me by grace, by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift that comes from God so that no one could ever boast. Today, if you're watching, you've never trusted Christ. Understand who this Jesus is and why he came and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe on the word of Jesus Christ. I confess my sin. I transfer my trust from what I've been hoping in to what Jesus Christ has offered me. I confess with my mouth who Jesus Christ is. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. I love that Peter, Peter was a talker for sure, but he loved to confess things. He loved to say things. He liked to make statements. Sometimes he made them at the wrong time and all the rest of that. But, but he was a man who believed in confessing and confession. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you came to him in salvation. 
The foundation of our worship is brokenness in our sin and then understanding the gift we have in Jesus Christ and all that that has accomplished for us. A surrendered life overflows with worship. So in the midst of our anxiety in these days, you know, we hear about shutdowns and we, we can't go to church and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to work. I'm not even sure if I'm going to have work to go to. I'm, or do, do we find ourselves so wrapped up in those anxieties that we've lost sight of who the one is who's in control and in charge of all of these things and in whom we trust in these things? Peter overflows with worship. Uh, Tim Keller said, worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that it, it engages the entire being, every part of it, every part of my life. My life isn't segmented, segmented. I have my church part and I have my work part and I have my family part. The God part in our life, the worship part in our life is to, to be involved in all parts of our lives. John Piper said, of all the activities in the church, only one is an end in itself, and that's worship. That's worship. As Jesus is teaching them, as he is uh, uh, leading them through this, the surrendered life is a hunger for the word. Surrendered life obeys the commands of Christ. A surrendered life overflows with worship. And here's one more. A surrendered life grows in sanctification. A surrendered life grows in sanctification. Look at verses 9 to 11. Uh, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They bring this catch to land, and then they left it there. They left everything and followed him. You see, if we are truly surrendered in our walk with God, we are growing up more and more every day. Um, He says, do not be afraid. I I wrote down um, the words of me. Do not be afraid of me. What, what, where do you get that? Well, in, in back in verse 8, when we come to that part about um, the surrendered life and all the rest, is depart from me, for I am sinful man, O Lord. See, at first he'd called him master, and now he calls him Lord, which is really moving into a whole new area of understanding of who Jesus was for him. And that call to him became so more clear now for him. And so, um, and in fear... And in fear, he says, depart from me, depart from me. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. From now on, you will catch men. Peter had so far that he had to go. Um, I think of when I've been asked to do things in my life, and I'm like, you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. I, I don't think I can take that on yet. That's so often in my own walk, that's just an admission that I'm not trusting the Lord for it. The Lord's not asking me to do things that he calls me to do on my own. He's asking me to do it with his help, with his strength, with his guidance, with with boldness because of who he is, because I'm going to grow. 
And just as we uh, come to Christ um, in our salvation and we grow up in him to maturity and eventually to eternal life. So the way I always, you've heard me say this before, we're, we're not what we used to be. We're not what we will be. We're not even what we should be, but I'm not what I was. And on this road of moving forward, this bumpy road of sanctification, being set apart, being more like Jesus Christ. Lord's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So often Jesus would say, fear not, fear not. I will go with you. I will help you. I will be your strength. I will be your helper. Um, from now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. And Jesus is going to turn the world upside down and he's going to use people like Peter and Andrew and James and John, I, I love the four, just the illustrations of those guys. Andrew met Jesus first, but Andrew very much is in the second seat to Peter. Um, you just do a little study on Andrew, and in Scripture, you'll always, it always says like this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, Peter was always the one in the limelight, and Andrew was always the one who seemed like he was the little brother off to the side. And then you got these guys, James and John, the sons of thunder, probably because they were just a little bit uh, cocky in the way they lived and the way they, just a little bit too boisterous, a little bit too arrogant, a little bit too proud. And um, Jesus takes these unlearned fishermen, brings a group of people around him, and they'll change their world they didn't have degrees. They didn't have big education. But Jesus would teach them. Jesus would guide them. Jesus would help them. And they would change their world. And so we see this beginning of sanctification, of growing up. We see this beginning of yielding of, of the things that were theirs to go. We're not going to be about that anymore. They had a good livelihood. They were probably in a pretty good place. And, and yet, they're going to let that all go. And they're going to follow this teacher who they were calling master. And now Peter is calling the Lord. And he goes, I will follow you wherever you go, whatever it takes. That's what we will do, Lord. That's what we want to be about. A surrendered life grows in sanctification. It grows in being changed. It grows in being conformed to the image of Christ. Do you see yourself in this last nine months of this pandemic we've lived in and the challenges in our church and all those things, do you see yourself growing up in Jesus Christ? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Trusting him, believing him. In Mark 8, 34 and 35, it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. There's a high calling in our sanctification to be growing up in Jesus Christ, setting aside the things of this world, world and fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Uh, this theme of, of giving up and yielding and letting go, it's, you find it all through. I've just really enjoyed reading about it as I've been reading through um, the book of Luke. But over in Luke chapter 6, 47 and 49 says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And, and when a flood rose, the stream broke 
against the house and he could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the streams broke against it, it immediately it fell and, and the ruin of that house was great. What foundation are we building on? What are we trusting in? Where is our hope? Over in uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse uh, 25, it says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? And so Jesus Christ calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And we got all kinds of excuses why we can't do the things that God calls us to, why, why we can't be faithful, why we can't, Lord, it's too much. I, I'm not sure if I can do it. What about my family? What about my home? What about my work? What about my, what about my, what about my, what about my? At your word, I will. They left everything and they followed him. They left everything. And they followed him. What faith. How amazing. Um, The only proper response for them was submission and surrender. And blessing would follow in the form of participation in the mission of Jesus Christ. And so in this text, we see Jesus working with them and through them. And now God is going to work in them. and, And the world will be changed because of their willingness to surrender. There were lots of people who heard that message on that day. And we don't know what happens with the rest of them very much. We do know what happens with these men. And so that's the calling for us today, that we would demonstrate faith. We would be, as Peter was willing to, we would be willing to get out of our boat. We would be willing to go against the thing that everything in us would say, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to go throw my nets out. I'm not going back out there in the boat and dirtying the nets all over again. And yet, at your word, I will. At your word, I will. What's God calling you to? And you're going to say today, at your word, I will. I will surrender this in my life. Well, so what? So what? Galatians 1 and verse 10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I was trying to serve man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Who are you trying to please today? Who are you surrendered to today? Are you surrendered to the circumstances of your life? Are you, are you surrendered to uh, your family? Are you surrendered to, or are you surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life and what he desires to accomplish? And you already know, you've heard the message today. You're, you're like, I know this, is, this in my life needs to get right. The, the priority of the word, the willingness to obey, a focus on worship, a desire to grow, Lord. Those are the things. Those are the things. What's God speaking to you about? Yield those things. Give those to the Lord. Allow him to work for the fame and the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for this story that's so clearly laid out for us in Luke chapter 5 and was part of a process of, of men who would fail in so many ways and yet, Lord, you would take them, you would lead them, you would care for them, you would grow them up and, Lord, you would use them. You would use them to impact the world were it not for men like them and like Paul and others. We would have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you call us, God, to the same kind of surrender. Who is the family member who needs to know about Jesus Christ? Who is the coworker who needs to know about Jesus Christ? I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men, not to take dead fish to a market to eat, but to bring people through the power of your spirit from death to life because you use us for your glory. Lord, I will surrender. I will surrender, God. Work in me, work in our church. Use us for your glory. Use us for your fame. We pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen.